It's a Tuesday edition of Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And Jonesy, I'm not even sure where to start with that one last night. It was, uh, well, I know where to start. 10-10-62. That's where I'm starting. That was one of those games. It sure was. Uh, It was a clunker, Eric. Um, And and I guess if you're a Raptor fan, can you be... Can you be really upset? Um, the fact that you've won eight, that you had won eight in a row, could have easily been nine after uh, Saturday night. You were in that game. It was a good team. You just you had a clunker. I mean, that's there's sometimes they happen. No other way to explain it, and you move on, right? Ten, ten, sixty-two. You want to explain that to our listeners who haven't heard us broadcasting together over the last oh 20 years <laughs> 10 10 it's 62 not, yeah it's, it's not yeah. a it's not a phone code for a long distance right well i was just gonna say nobody there, there's some people listening right now that wouldn't even know what that is back right. in the day folks when we used to walk to school uphill both ways so yeah it, it's kind of a shout out an homage to the old uh, long distance uh, phone lines and codes and whatever 10 10 220 and all that again anybody that's maybe 35 plus would know what we're talking about anybody younger than that's like what are you old dudes talking about but basically 10 10 62 is the uh, mathematical formula for the nba season where there are 10 games that you are going to lose no matter what is happening whether it's the other team is just having the incredible night whether you're having an off night you just can't you couldn't put a ball in the ocean period you're losing done 10 games. There are 10 games where you can't miss. It doesn't matter who your opponent is. It doesn't matter who's suiting up on the other side. It doesn't matter what's going on. Every bucket's going in. You're going to shoot 55, 60, 63%, and you're going to throw up 140 points, and it doesn't matter. You are winning, period. 10 of those games. Your season comes down to the other 62. What do you do in those 62 games? What's your record in those 62 games? How hard do you play in those 62 games? Ultimately, again, I repeat, what's your record then? Those 62 games are what decide your season. And we could go through the schedule. We're not going to because it wouldn't be riveting radio or broadcasting. But you can do it while you're listening to us or, or in your free time. Go through right now and see if you can come up with, for the Raptors, who now sit, at 31 and 25, they've played 56 games. They've got 26 remaining. Tell me if you can come up with, I don't know, how many, Jonesy? At this point, maybe six to eight in each of those columns in the 10 yeah. and 10. And then let's look yeah. at what they've done in the other remaining games after that. And now down the stretch here over these final 26 games, you've given yourself eh, two or three more in each category. You're going to have two or three games where you're winning no matter what. You're going to have two or three games, like last night, where you're losing no matter what. But what are you doing then in those remaining 20-odd games? That's where your season will be decided in those 20 games here over these final two months of the season. Yeah, and and that's, I mean, if you're the Raptors, that's, uh, you know, that's that's big. I mean, the good thing is, or the, the thing that you want to have happen is uh, you want to get... Wednesday, you want to get tomorrow against uh, Minnesota. You want to go into the break on a good note. I, listen, 
These these guys in Vegas, we always talk about, Eric, they kind of have an idea, or they always seem to have an idea. And what did they have the Raptors for 36 and a half? They're over under at the beginning of the year. I believe so, yeah. Right? So, uh, you know, by their standards, Toronto may be outperforming expectations. Uh, I don't think that's how the Raptors look at it, but like I said, you can't, you can't, you can't be really, really upset about last night. You just got to kind of take that one as it comes and, uh, and move on, you know, get ready. Uh, and listen, last night, I mean, you watch the game, Eric, they had some good looks. They weren't making shots, but to me, it was their defense that is characteristically very good that kind of let them down. New Orleans, I don't know what I'd have to look at the box score, maybe pull it up, but like even into the fourth quarter, the Pelicans are shooting 60 something percent. Like that's, that's unheard of. Raptors, again, at one juncture had turned them over seven times and had not scored a point. Mm. And here's a team that thrives off that. They're, 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 they're top. I think they're number two in the NBA. My last look at points off turnovers. So this is, the, the, like I said, it, it's one of those nights you you, you take your licking, you, you know, you shake the other guy's hand, and I can hear people out there uh, saying, oh, uh, you know, we could use a traditional center, JV killed us. Yeah, like that's, he, he did his thing. And normally the Raptors can neutralize uh, bigger players because of their style of play. And last night they weren't making shots. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> 30% shooting with 95 field goal attempts. I mean, they had 18 more field goal attempts than the Pelicans and shot 30.5%. Like, that's not happening, Jonesy. That's, that, to me, is an easy one to chalk up in the 10-10-62. That's one of those 10 games. Pascal, 7 of 19. Fred, 6 of 15. Gary Trent Jr., 2 of 15. OG, one of five. Barnes, two of ten. Like, there's nothing, no one redeeming about last night. There's honestly not a positive thing I can say about anybody in the starting five. Period. It was one of those nights. And what did we say, Jonesy, last week, I believe, when they were in the midst of the winning streak? We said there will be an end to the streak at some point. And yeah. there will likely be another streak coming. You just hope it's not in the loss column now. And I believe we noted that you don't want to lose more than two in a row. You can't allow them to compound now and wipe out all the hard work you did and all the great work you did to put yourself back in this position with that eight-game winning streak. So you know what? You've lost two in a row now. You've got to get the next one. You've got to get the next one. You can't go into the All-Star break having lost three in a row from a mathematical standpoint, it's not good. But I think even from a mental standpoint, rolling in on the, on the sour note of a three-game losing streak and then, okay, yeah, yeah, go rest, recoup, you know, get right physically, mentally, emotionally, everything else, come back strong. But you're still going into that break going, man, we had won eight in a row. Now we've lost three in a row. And you're going to be thinking about that during your break and going, oh, boy. Then we hit the road again after the All-Star break and we're not even home till March 1st. Da, 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 da. Like, this is where the good teams nip, like, nip stuff like this, I think, in the bud, where, again, you don't allow yourself to go on an extended losing streak. Two, okay, it's going to happen. Three, four, five, no, can't happen. Can't happen, Yeah. right? 
It's it's always been the key. It's always been the key that 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 they talk about, like um, avoid the long protracted losing streaks. That's that's what that's what kills you. Like you're right. You win eight in a row. Don't give back three or four. Don't don't give half of them back. Uh, and I just, I just think though the the makeup of this team, Eric, and the coaching staff. Um, I mean, I, I expect them to come back with a a real professional effort against Minnesota next game, especially before the break. I hope you're right. I hope you're right, Jonesy. And I don't uh, I don't disagree because again, the, the 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 last two games are complete polar opposites, right? Like Saturday night, the loss to Denver was nip and tuck, back and forth. A slugfest came right down to the final possession of the game, the final few possessions of the game, where it was swinging either way. It could have easily been a win. It ultimately ended up being a loss thanks to Jokic in the block at the buzzer, or just before the buzzer. Yesterday was just one of those ones again. Write it off. See ya. I'm done. Move on. But when you put them together, it's still a two-game losing streak. So the effort that you showed during your eight-game winning streak, the professionalism, the focus, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that you showed during your eight-game win streak, and even that game against Denver that was so close, it's not like it's vanished. It's not like this team hasn't shown it and been it for the better part of six weeks now, if not longer. So I have every belief that they will have that focus, that attention, that, that pro approach that you're speaking of when they go into that game against the Timberwolves tomorrow. Minnesota will be rolling in at 30 and 27. The Raptors at 31 and 25. Both teams seventh in their respective conferences. Um, well, Iggy, I'll say this. This isn't, this isn't your daddy's Minnesota Timberwolves. Remember no, when, no, no, no. When, yep. <laughs> remember when Sam Mitchell was coaching the Raptors? It was like that was his former team. They never lost to the Timberwolves. Dwayne Casey, they were the ones that fired him. They never lost to the Timberwolves. I'm going to have to dig that up. I don't know if the new notes are up, but on my sheet, you know me, I always have the, uh, I used to at least have the uh, all-time record. I, I've kind of lost track of some of that now. But I believe that Minnesota might be one of the teams that Toronto has an all-time winning record against. Might be, If not, I mean, I know they took their lumps as an expansion team early against the Timberwolves, uh, but I would, I would guess that it's pretty close to to, to having a winning record yeah i gotta i gotta think you're probably right jonesy I, I i haven't tracked that for a while myself either and i misspoke i misspoke i said the timberwolves would be rolling in at 30 and 27 well they'll be rolling in with a different record because they do play tonight so they've got the home back-to-back as they host the Charlotte Hornets tonight and then get set for the Toronto Raptors tomorrow. So that's some good news, some some potential silver lining for the Raptors is that they should be rested going into the game. They've rested at least a little bit more uh, than the Timberwolves playing on the back-to-back, albeit a home back-to-back. And maybe that rest will help considering, well, Fred Van Vliet and the knee. Um, yeah. Leaving the game last night, I don't know that it's going to be an issue uh, moving into tomorrow's game, let alone the All-Star weekend. And, oh, yeah, by the way, we will talk All-Star in a second because there was some news with that, as I'm sure you heard quite well. Uh, but let's maybe start with a couple of comments after the ball game last night. Again, the Raptors losing to the Pelicans 120-90, a 30-point victory for the Pelicans, a huge win for New Orleans as they continue to try and stay in the race for that play-in spot 
in the Western Conference. They are now just a half game behind the Portland Trailblazers, who strangely have seemingly not a whole lot left on their roster, and they've gone out and won three in a row. So the Blazers sit in 10th. The Pelicans now in 11th, but just a half game back. So a huge win for New Orleans last night, winning by 30, holding the Raptors to 30%, that is. And after the ball game, Nick Nurse um, discussing the game, but first off, discussing what happened with Fred Van Vliet's knee told me at the half that he got got knocked on the knee and uh to keep an eye you know he said he's going to go out there and try to get himself going and said uh, I'm just letting you know keep keep an eye on it or get ready whatever and he did obviously came out hit a bunch <laughs> scored about our, our our first nine points of the half um so he toughed it out and went through it but there was no sense and no sense in going any further with him after the third so, Jonesy, we'll keep an eye on the news today from, from Raptors Media Relations uh, if there's any update on Fred or, or obviously leading into the game tomorrow. Um, my, my gut reaction, I could be dead wrong with this, my gut reaction is, okay, he banged his knee, but he came out, continued to play, knocked down some shots, but ultimately because of the game and the, 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 the way the game was going, why keep him out there? Nick just said that. So I'm going to hope, I shouldn't assume, but I'm going to hope that it's okay, and had it been a close game, had the Raptors been making a comeback, had it been tighter, maybe he's fine to continue to play. But with a little bit of pain or a little bit of a bang-up and getting blown out, why bother? So let him rest for the rest of the game last night. Let him rest today, get set for tomorrow. I, I would assume, if I'm reading the tea leaves right, this isn't something that's a major concern. But again, that's a pure assumption. So I will hope that he's fine not only for the game, but certainly the All-Star Weekend. Because at this point now, you're getting so close to it, you'd hate to see anybody miss out because of injury, which is happening to James Harden, which again we'll discuss in a minute. But you'd hate to see Freddie miss that opportunity for an injury happening just before the break. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he's worked so hard to be an All-Star. It's, it's something you want on your resume. And I, I sometimes wonder if guys, um, if guys are hurt for the All-Star break if they if they would if they would just go anyway you know mm-hmm. so um depends where it is uh, for, <laughs> yeah, yeah. if it's in miami or la sure if it's in cleveland yeah. probably not <laughs> I, would you yeah i hear well you. actually no that's the no, wrong I, question no. you would i know you would i would i mean the experience is something too e right like think about it sure. like to be there and recognized uh with your peers I mean that's that's a that's a great thing and and sometimes yeah you're right guys might just do that just for the heck of it so um, I, I I look for the Raptors' sake you just hope Fred is okay and and can get get back to playing and help this team put some more W's on the board. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, uh, we've discussed the game a little bit. No reason to break down uh, or, or overanalyze last night's uh, affair. Again, a 30-point blow at Nick after the ball game. Nick Nurse simply saying, we didn't have it. They just, they listen, they just, they were running faster than us. They were moving quicker. They were shot challenging better. We were, we were really um, stuck in slow motion a lot. We didn't, you know, we didn't do much very well. I mean, there's no sense in and going through it all, you know, um, but we just we just didn't have a, a great feel and zip uh, energy wise. Hey, man, sometimes New Orleans can do that to you. <laughs> I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm like right at the top of that list. I, I haven't had a lot of zip and energy uh, in New Orleans a few times over the years as well. Um, all right. Last one, Jonesy. 
believe it or not. Now, and hey, this is... hold on a second. Hold on, what? hold on. Don't, don't, right, bre- don't just breeze by that one. Don't breeze <laughs> by that one. Um, there are some cities that have uh, inherent advantages, and the, as some people call it, the invisible sixth man. Um, Bourbon Street, South Beach, Los Angeles, downtown Toronto. Yeah. All these place all these places have great nightlife and things that well, players enjoy doing. So I, I, although I will say this, I do not see the Raptors team as one of those bunches that would be irresponsible like that. I, I you know, the Super Bowl was Sunday, they were probably hanging together watching the game. I, you know, I, I I can't say they all went to bed at 9 o'clock. I mean, NBA players will stay up late playing video games and watching movies and stuff. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think, I mean, some people will say that, oh, the New Orleans. I, I, don't, I don't see that with this team. I'm honestly trying to think, Jonesy, of the, what, I can't even remember now, 15 years, 16 years traveling. And again, we, we're not traveling this year, uh, well, the last two years with the team down in Tampa and, and, and haven't been on the road this year. Um, I'm trying to think if I ever saw a player. I'm not talking about a coach or a, certainly a fellow broadcaster, a member of the media. Um, trying to think if I ever saw a player on Bourbon Street. I'm not sure if I did. I'm racking my brain here, and I'm not telling stories out of school. Listen, you can do this. Is this is like what I've seen the last couple of days? Even people freaking out about. LeBron James or others, but especially LeBron at the top of the list. Lakers are losing. They're below 500. They're having an abysmal season. Look at LeBron hooting it up and having fun at the Super Bowl. Yeah, and? <laughs> like, have you never yeah, had a bad day? Yeah, you never had a bad day at work, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year? What, do you go home and stew about it every single day? Or do you try and get away and go to a game, have a drink, go out with friends, hang out with your family, do something to get away from your job and... The, the, the negativity that's surrounding your job. The guy can't go and have a couple of drinks and enjoy a football game for three, four hours when it's the freaking Super Bowl in his backyard? Like, are you joking? So, point being, as I digress for a second, I would have no problem if I saw a player on Bourbon Street. Maybe I'd have a problem if it was 4 in the morning. But if it's 9 o'clock and they're coming back from dinner or it's 10 o'clock and they're having a drink or listening to some music or whatever, I mean, they're going to be responsible adults, I would hope. That's what they're supposed to do. They're just like all of us. You, you have a job to do. You know what it's going to take to do your job properly and to be a pro, period, no matter what your job is, right? And so I'm yeah, going to hold right. you with the same accountability and, and, and look at you with the same maturity as I would anybody else and until you prove me wrong. So, totally anyway. agree. T- totally anyway. agree. How many, how many players fly to the Super Bowl? We saw Kyle Lowry do it, right? Yeah. Fly to watch his Villanova Wildcats fly to the Super Bowl when his Eagles were in it. Uh, you know, you got to live life. I only wish I could do that. <laughs> wouldn't you? Wouldn't it be great, Jonesy, if we could be like, hey, it's All-Star Weekend. You know what, Jonesy? Fire up the Jones jet. You know, well, it's got a pretty good ring to it. Fire up the Jones jet. We're going to go down to Hawaii for like four days or down to South Beach or whatever. Like, come on. If you had the money and the wherewithal, the ability to do so, please get tickets to any events you want and to be able to attend the best of the best and see the best of the best. Please, we'd all be doing the same thing. Um, 
Nick Nurse, one more from the coach after the ball game last night. Uh, and this is the ultimate coach, like anybody, trying to find some positives even in this 30-point loss. I would say, you know, Chris played with, with some great energy and played hard. He was he was in the positive plus-minus almost the whole game, which is it's hard to do. Hard to do in a, in a 30 point game playing 20 half of it. You know, he played half the game and and he somehow was almost he ended up minus three in there. Um, but but was like plus five most of the game. I thought Thad looked okay, right? He looked he looked like he's gonna, you know, be able to help us out there. Like like just his movement with the ball and shot creation, pass creation, those kind of things. And I'll give Precious some credit. I thought he went in there. You know, his minutes have been a little spotty lately, um, and he's went in there and played hard all the way through. So you want to look for some positives, there there they are. Well, they're, they're, they were positives, I suppose. Chris Boucher, 15 points, six rebounds in 23 minutes. Precious Achua was only one of four, but had six points, five boards, added an assist as well. And, yes, Thaddeus Young-Jones, he got on the floor in his Raptor debut, two of five in 12 minutes, four points, four boards, added a steal. His former team, the San Antonio Spurs, uh, making it official six minutes ago, seven minutes ago now, uh, 10.15 a.m., the press release came through right here. The San Antonio Spurs have officially waived Goran Dragic. Uh, Dragic acquired on the, f- the uh, trade deadline, February 10th, from Toronto. So the Spurs roster now sitting at 16, and Dragic, a free agent, free to go wherever he wants. And for all of the rumblings and chatter about Dallas, and it may still be the Mavericks, um, I've heard some chatter now about the possibility of Brooklyn. And certainly the Los Angeles Lakers are going to do more than just kick the tires, I think, on a guy like Goran Dragic. So he will not be unemployed very soon. And i got to imagine we will see him in a uniform in the first game after the All-Star break for some team in the league. Well, I mean, if he's working out and he's in shape, uh, why wouldn't they? Uh, he's a vet. Look, things went south in Toronto, but the guy's a veteran player who was in the finals, albeit in the bubble a few years ago, and understands the league. Why wouldn't you want him on your team? Uh, yep. And like I said, I, I don't know why things didn't work out in Toronto. He just it got off to a, a bad start. I don't, maybe there's more to the backstory that, that than we know, and it may come out later. But um, listen, they got Thad Young. And at the beginning of the year, if you'd have said to the Raptor fans, it's just too bad this didn't happen in September, who would you rather have, Thad Young or Goran Dragic, knowing what 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 Thaddeus is, and and you know he's a he's a professional, he's a veteran, he's not. Have you ever heard him rocking the boat wherever he's been? Mind you, Dude. we never heard that with Dragic either. But at the same time, <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, uh, you know the Raptors have been they've been trying to get young for a while, by the sounds of it. And you talk to listen to to Bobby Webster. Um, so maybe that would have been the better deal. Like I said, it's just too bad that it didn't come at the, uh, you know, at the, at the start of the season. Well, and Jonesy, I, I, I'm pretty positive you'll agree with me on this. Um, from all we've heard, and again, we're fairly close to things, and I still don't have officially official what did happen or is happening or whatever, but I'm led to believe that there was or maybe still is a legitimate personal issue I don't know, family, friend, really. I don't know. It's none of my business. It's personal. Something with Dragic. Something beyond just, nah, I don't want to be here. Because he did show up to camp, and he did start the season, and literally started the season in the starting lineup, 
And then it wasn't long before, okay, he was gone, and it was a mutual parting of ways, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but that said, and again, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not throwing arrows here. I don't want to you know, repeat old news here. Depending on what the personal thing was, again, I don't know, and it's not for me to, to say, let alone to judge necessarily, but depending on what it was, I look at the situation, and you just brought it up. Well, you know, we you'd never heard anything about Thad, but of course we'd never heard anything about Dragic either. Well, the, the comparisons and or the differences is Thad, like compare Jonesy Thad Young and what he walked into in San Antonio versus Dragic in Toronto. You could argue both were probably thinking, oh boy, you know, rebuilding-ish team in Toronto or a team that's not expected to contend rebuilding-ish team in San Antonio for sure with a lot of young players, not a contending team, probably not a playoff team. Spurs season goes that way. Raptors season does not go that way. They're not a championship contender necessarily a month, two months into the season, but they're certainly playing well. They're certain, certainly providing a lot of positive vibes, and suddenly their record turns around. Thad Young was still playing, was still on that roster, was still with the team, was still there trying to help out the young players. Dragic wasn't. And again, that's why I don't want to judge too much because I don't know the full story of what was actually happening in the personal life, etc. But one guy was there with his team still and being that vet, whether he was playing two minutes or 22 minutes, and one guy wasn't. So that, to me, tells me all I need to know then about Thad Young and not being a squeaky wheel and bringing that professionalism to Toronto because he was already bringing it to San Antonio, and he's now in a better situation with the Raptors than he was with the Spurs. Yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be excited about coming to Toronto. Yeah. And and they always say that in a trade. In a trade, somebody wants you. Like as much as you, uh, you know, you look at oh, I, you know, I have to leave or I get up. And again, he's been around the league for so long. I'm sure he understands that this team wants me. This team wants me. So, um, I, you know, I, I can't wait to see what he's going to be able to to bring the Raptors. So one other piece of news came out yesterday. We're going to have uh, Bobby Webster joining us, uh, or excuse me, Bobby Marks. Hey, maybe we'll get Bobby Webster too. <laughs> one day. Bobby Marks. Bobby Marks from ESPN is going to join us uh, in a couple of minutes' time. But before we get to that, maybe this is something we can discuss with Bobby as well. Um, news came out about James Harden um, not taking part in All-Star Weekend. He will be sidelined. And as a result, the league needed to name an injury replacement. So the word came down from Commissioner Adam Silver. We all expected or assumed it was going to be one of either Pascal Siakam or Jared Allen. And as you and I were chatting in our, in our group text, there was too much leaning, I think, in Jared Allen's way, not the least of which the game is in Cleveland. And, oh, yeah, by the way, the Cavaliers are still rolling as the third seed in the Eastern Conference at 35-22. and 22. So much to the chagrin of many in uh, um, Raptor land and, and the Raptor faithful, Pascal Siakam, who has been playing incredibly for two months now, let alone this, in, this season, barring a handful of games when he first returned, Siakam Jonesy uh, did not make it. I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not going to say snubbed, but Pascal Siakam was not selected, and Jarrett Allen gets in. What did you think? Uh, I was okay with it. Yeah. And, and again, like, you know, you, you use the word, uh, rightfully so, Eric, you, you take the word snub out of the occasion. He was deserving. So was Jared Allen. His yes. team's a little further in, in front of him in the standings. Um, 
you know, Pascal's really come on of late, but people will say, uh, you know, Allen's been there from the start and he's been consistent. You can look at it either way. And there's another part of me that says, ah, Pascal's already had one. Let him go to a beach for the next week or so. Let him rejuvenate because <laughs> you're going to ride him like Seabiscuit going down the stretch, man. So, like, <laughs> like, I mean, it's nice. And it's not like he hasn't had the experience, right? Like, that's the other thing, too. Pascal has, has been there. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's had the experience. So I, 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 I'd like to hear, you know, in depth what Pascal had to say. I know he made some comments about it last night, but I, I just see him growing, not just on the court uh, in a professional way, but off the court from a personal and professional standpoint, too. Some of the comments made it seem like, hey, you know what, I'm over this, and I know what what people are going to say, and I know that I've, I've been to the All-Star. It's great, whatever. Am I, am I upset with going somewhere warm and sitting on a beach maybe and having some rest? Absolutely not, because it'll come back. It'll help him focus. He'll take that stuff. Okay, so I'm going to show you guys. You thought that was just a little streak before the All-Star break? No, I got lots more of that where it came from. Yep. Yeah, well, you mentioned some of the comments. Here's at least one of them, Pascal, talking about not being selected to the All-Star team. To be honest, like, I asked my agent, I'm like, okay, if you replace me, does it count as an All-Star? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, I'm not really, like, focused on that. To be, and and, and I obviously, I'd rather, you know, being picked, like, you know, from the jump. Um, uh, But, yeah, like, right now, like, it's just not really in my mind. Like, I'm, I'm just, you know, um, focused on continuing to get better. Um. And, and yeah, I, I believe that, you know, I'll be an all-star for, for in, the, in the league for a while. So, you know, just just my focus is continue to get better. And, and, yeah, I'm not thinking about that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm also used to people talking about me in another way. So, I'm cool. Yeah, I'm cool either way. So, there's Pascal Siakam, uh, again, discussing the fact that he was not selected. Jarrett Allen is in for James Harden as the uh, All-Star weekend is upon us just a few days away in Cleveland. When we come back, though, we will discuss that and a whole lot more with Bobby Marks from ESPN. It's Smith & Jones right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Breaking down the biggest stories in Toronto sports. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. The Toronto Raptors coming off a rough outing last night, to say the least, against the New Orleans Pelicans, getting set for the Minnesota Timberwolves tomorrow, final game before the All-Star break. And to talk about a whole lot of things going on around the association, always love chatting with NBA Insider and uh, ESPN host of the front office as well, uh, Bobby Marks joining us. Bobby, thanks as always for the time. Hey, guys. How are you? Good, thanks. Good, Bobby. Hey, Bobby, it just came uh, official. I mean, we all knew it was coming, but officially official about uh, 20 minutes or so ago, the press release from the San Antonio Spurs, uh, Goran Dragic waived uh, by San Antonio. Where do you think he ultimately lands? Yeah, I mean, I know that he's been linked to the Lakers who who don't have a roster spot. Um, you know, certainly as a, an insurance policy with everything that's going on. I, th- I think probably the probably the perfect place might be Milwaukee um, just because, you know, with the Connaughton injury, um, you know, certainly they traded DiVincenzo to Sacramento. Um, there's a need for, you know, quality guards right there. 
Um, I mean, I think that would probably be logically the the best place um, for him. But he'll have you know he'll have plenty of uh, plenty of suitors over. Um, you know, it's almost like he's gonna. You know, it's almost like recruiting again. Like he's in, you know he's in college as far as these teams as you as you guys have seen with the with these buyouts here. Bobby, take us through the process in the front office when a guy's bought out, be it now or later, you know, uh, I think March 1st is a date when guys have yeah. to be on a roster. Take us through the, um, walk us through the, the process when you start looking at a guy, uh, you know, it's like you said, it's like college recruitment. Are you are you checking out what other people are doing? How, how do you, when a guy's highly sought after, how do you, what's the procedure? What, what do you guys go through on that? kind of a, a basis yeah i mean there's conversations certainly with the player and i think from a front office or even the, the coach you're selling him how he fits in i think the one thing from a player's perspective they don't you don't want to go i mean i guess it depends on where they are at their point of their career that you don't want to do what happened with andre drummond in la right like he had the opportunity to potentially go to you know charlotte or dallas last year play meaningful minutes um you know, certainly Charlotte didn't make it to the playoffs, but he goes to L.A. and is kind of an afterthought there. I think that's the goal, depending on where you are in your career, From a certainly from a player's perspective, where what is my role going to be and is going to lead me to potentially get another uh, another good contract here. And I think with, with Dragic is a little bit different just because he's made a lot of money in his career and he, I think he's just looking to win. Um, but you're going to have to sell it. I mean, from a team standpoint, you're going to have to sell it as far as what his role, what his mints are going to be. Um, just because the last thing you want to do is commit to a player and then all of a sudden um, there are no minutes for him. Bobby, this might sound a little too fluffy, but I'm going to ask the question anyways. Do you look at when you're in the front office, do you look at the personality or the person at, or or just the performance? And and part of the reason I bring that up, and listen, I'm honestly not here to, to, to throw arrows or throw a guy under the bus. I'm not going to sit here and claim to know Goran Dragic. He wasn't in Toronto long yeah. enough, and Jonesy and I aren't even traveling this year. Um, but do you... Do you look at, like, hold on a second, this guy didn't want to play for the Raptors and held out, and, and, and what's his approach now going to be on my team? Like, does that come in, or is it, no, he's only been a pro in his whole career, this was just a blip, and he's going to bring that professionalism, and he's going to, he's going to be everything we need? Like, how do, you, how do you separate player from performance from person? Oh, I think the, the person aspect is huge because it's, it's not like you, get, you have a whole training camp to get to know the player. I mean, we're... What do we have about, I don't know, 25, 30 games left in a regular season? I think the last thing you want to be is bring someone in that's a disruption. I think if you're, certainly if you're a team that's interested, you're probably calling down to Miami um, as far as, you know, so they had him for an extended period of time. You're, you're getting feedback from, um, you know, the coaching staff down there as far as from an, uh, you know, from an Intel standpoint. But yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, what he can, what he can do on the court will certainly help. And, uh, but the one thing you don't want to be is a disruption. And I think the, the one thing, and it got out of hand last year when, you know, Blake went to Brooklyn and then LaMarcus went to, um, you know, Brooklyn also is that with the buyout guys is that rarely do they come in and make a like huge impact. Right. Like they're just it's it's like this ultimate insurance policy. So if you're you know, if he goes to Milwaukee and uh, Pat Connaughton comes back and uh, George Hill gets healthy and stuff, I don't know what his role will be. But I think for the last, as I said, 30 games, it, it, it is the ultimate insurance policy. But you better have a guy that's kind of bought in, you know, kind of bought into what his role is. Hey, Bobby, that, uh, 
getting off Drogic and, and just we had you right around the time that they were talking about the trade. Boom, it happened. Harden and, <laughs> and Simmons did the flip-flop. Um, I, I, two things I want to ask you here. Yeah. A guy like Seth Curry, who was kind of collateral damage and fallout <laughs> in it, I'm sure he was happy in, his, in Philly. Uh, you know, he, his father-in-law was the coach, uh, like all of that. I'm sure he was happy in Philly, and he gets moved to Brooklyn. Um, Daryl Morey seemingly got what he wanted in James Harden. Uh, how risky is it? Talk to me about the guys that are collateral damage that are kind of thrown yeah. in, in the trade. And then how risky is it for Daryl Morey? Like, does he is how confident is he that he's going to get James Harden back in the summer? Yeah, that's a good word, collateral damage, because I think if, uh, you know, if Ben Simmons probably does not hold out and, um, you know, gets traded, then Seth Curry is still in Philadelphia. I mean, that's that's the reality because he played extremely well. And I know they were really reluctant to, um, you know, to move him. But that's, you know, that that is part of it. Um, and you move, you know, fortunately, you just I guess you take the turnpike up, you know, two hours. And, you know, but it is a it is a different adjustment period. Uh, Drummond's a little bit different just because he was, you know, I mean, he, he's on a, a you know, vet minimum expiring contract here. But you saw last night, like. Those two guys played had an impact, and I think they will yeah. have an impact here. And I think for for Philly, there is a huge risk. I mean, I think yes, James Harden is a top twenty five player, um, but I hope Daryl Morey was watching this year in Brooklyn because there are games, and I know you guys saw him a couple times. You know, there are games where, and maybe it was just based on circumstances where he didn't look right. It felt like Father Time caught up to him. The injuries part of it. Um, we'll see with that. If there's any lingering effect from the from the hamstring here, but you know, um, you know, Daryl traded for James when he was in Oklahoma City. He had him in Houston for ten years. He knows him as better than anyone, and this is a win now team. I mean, their window is probably two years. I know Embiid is in the prime of his career, but I just think that age eventually will catch up to, uh, catch up to um, to uh, to Harden here. And that you know, for Philadelphia, they look at that this is their opportunity to win a championship, and they couldn't let that opportunity pass. Speaking with Bobby Marks from ESPN. Uh, Bobby, what about on the other side then? They, the, the Nets finally, finally break the losing streak. I mean, I can't believe it went as long as it did. But they get the win last night. Um, does it matter where they finish now? Like, I mean, I guess it does matter if it's between 7 and 10 and they're forced to play in and maybe risk the chance of getting bounced. But ultimately, assuming, assuming they're a playoff team, does it matter if they're the seventh seed or the fourth seed if they're going in with that roster? And again, it's a big assumption, but going in healthy and ready. Does it matter what slot they have? I, I do think it matters. I think I, certainly you don't want to be eight and have to go up to Toronto, and then you have no Kyrie. I mean, that has an impact there. And um, I, and I think in um, you know I think when you look at the top six and they're two and a half out of six, where, where Boston is. Um, the one thing you don't want to be doing is getting caught in, in one of these playing um, playing games here, and um, so maybe you know if you get to seven, at least you have two cracks at it. And I think I'm stunned that I think this, I guess, the sporting books, I guess it's Caesars, has these guys as the favorites still. Like I, I, I can't believe it because you're, you know, you're seven out of one. You know, you won't have home court, and I know certainly the Kyrie factor plays into it. I don't see New York City lifting that uh, vaccine mandate here, and. So I do think I think there's a lot of catch up that this team has to do over the next. Uh, you know, there's only you know once we get to the um, you know past the All Star break, I think there's 23 games, and you know we don't know when Simmons was going to be on the court. You know, Durant still has to return here. So 
if you're in eight and you got to play the Raptors, that is not going to be easy going up to Toronto, even if there's no fans in the building here. And the one thing you don't want to do is nine or ten, and you basically have to win two, you know, two games to get in. Oh, Bobby, I, I got to tell you that it, it looks like we're going to have our fans back in Toronto, and this this building will be rocking again. Yeah, they should. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's been it's been a, a difficult couple of years. I mean, when I think of where the Raptors were. When, when, well, Rudy Gobert shut the league down, Toronto had the third best record in the NBA. And it's like, it, it, it's, you know, it's like you, you have it going and, and halftime cools you off and you never make shots again. Um, I, I, I'm looking at the, the, the rest of the league. Uh, you mentioned briefly the Milwaukee uh, conundrum where they, they trade a guy and then another guy breaks his hand. Are they? Would you think they'll be active in the buyout market or looking for more people? I mean, I know that you talked about Dragic, but is there anybody else you would say, "Hey, this guy's on the radar to be bought out. We might want to take a look at him." I think Gary Harris in Orlando. Um, although he, I think he played like 37 minutes in Denver last night, uh, I think that's probably your best available um, from a wing standpoint. You know, certainly from a d- defender. Um, that will be out there. Um, they've got three open roster spots. Um, I think one of them might go to, you know, Greg Monroe, who's on a, on a 10 day. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I saw Milwaukee when I was out in LA last week and they were playing extremely well. Um, and then, you know, DiVincenzo gets traded and Conton breaks his hand that night. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate. So I think, I think Harris is probably the, the guy, um, at least from a two-guard standpoint, that we could probably circle. We'll see if, if Orlando does something, um, you know, in the uh, in the buyout market. It's interesting, you know, you, you get mixed, you know, things regarding John Wall, and you know, there the 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 assumption is that you know Houston is not inclined to do a buyout with Wall. He's got about sixty million dollars left on his contract, and then you talk to some other people saying that you no, know, the Rockets would, but John Wall is at this point of his career where he does not want him to come off the bench. You know, he still thinks that he's a starter and that he's not willing to leave, you know, money on the table to go to, um, you know, to be a backup role, even if it means a contending team. I mean, he would certainly be the number one, you know, number one guy, even though he hasn't played all year. Speaking with Bobby Marks, Bobby, you kind of touched on this a little bit right there, but I'm, I, I want to ask the question anyways. Was there a trade, even a minor one, but was there a deal or a, or a player a transaction from last week that didn't happen that you thought was going to happen? I thought Porzingis was going to Toronto. I wow. really did. Really? I thought that was the deal. Yeah, I thought it. You know, Wednesday night when he just talked to people, um, I, and I thought it was basically going to be, you know, Dragic, and you know, so you'd have to get the money to work, and um, you know, fillers, and maybe probably a first round pick, and it, it basically would have been, a, you know, basically would have been a salary dump there, and um, I thought that was kind of was was going to be the deal, and. Um, I like Thaddeus. I think Thaddeus has a role. Um, you know, we, this was a long time ago, but we traded for him when I was back in um, Brooklyn for Garnett. And, um, you know, he's a veteran, um, you know, cost you first, which essentially I guess it's 10 slots in the draft here. But, um, but yeah, that was probably the one deal that, um, that I thought um, could have happened. I never thought Jeremy Grant had much traction. I think uh, Portland certainly – attempted to go after him but because that new orleans pick that is owed to them um is protected um you know top four that there was some hesitancy from detroit as far as you know not not sure as far as if that pick would have been conveyed wow uh what what made so much sense bobby about porzingis to toronto 
in your eyes? Well, yeah, I just thought it's kind of, you know, Tommy Shepard in the Martians and said, you know, sometimes you just got to swing for the fence here. And I know that's a big number and there's a, there's a risk because he hasn't been able to stay on the court. Um, but, you know, when when he is healthy, I thought there was been there's some some good moments here. He, you know, certainly fits from a length standpoint. I think you play multiple positions here, but it's a it's a big risk. You know, when he's when he's got, you know, 80 million plus left on his contract and he's only been able to play, you know, 45, 50 games. That is a big risk. But if you're only giving up, you know, a $20 million expiring contract and, and, um, you know, in Dragic and then some, some fillers there, um, you know, that was probably worth it. But as you saw, what Dallas was looking for was they basically, they need, they look to break, break that contract up Two guys that could help. We think when it can help, you know, Dinwiddie's and, and Bertans, although both players haven't played that well this year. It's interesting, I guess. You, you know, it, we're we're following up with a couple on this one, Bobby, because I, I wasn't yeah. expecting you to say that one. And obviously, with the Toronto angle, um, I think that a lot of people, and this is why we often avoid the the rumor mill and the fantasy stuff, because mm-hmm. you don't know what's fact or fiction. All the chatter ahead of time, at least what we thought we were hearing, and you're certainly more plugged into it, um, was that would Dallas want? Pascal Siakam back in that type of transaction would the Raptors have to give up one of their starters if it was going to cost them a draft pick in Goran Dragic you know I've got to assume Toronto uh, would have would have loved to have done that so do you think a deal like that doesn't go through because Dallas ultimately gets something a little bit more to your point of getting a couple of serviceable players and picks from Washington the package from the Wizards end up being better yeah I think just because you get you're getting two players back and I know um, you know you know and two players that have length on their contract. I think where the where the Mavericks are going to be, um, you know, certainly with um, you basically return most of the roster next year. They're close to the luxury tax here, and it's it's a priority to kind of have, you know, not play the minimum game here. And I I just thought it from the from the angle for for Dallas that you know Dragic's money comes off. Um, you know who else is involved in the trade, and then you have you know it frees up to go out and resign Jalen Brunson, um, who's a free agent here. And I think the other thing too for Toronto, you, you certainly had to have been careful with the luxury tax. Um, you know there was not a you know appetite to go into the tax as you guys saw. Um, and then it just comes down to how do how do you make the money work? Where you know Porzingis is making thirty million dollars. So yeah, I mean I think if it was just going to cost you a first and you know just salary filler. It would have made sense for Toronto, but you know Dallas chose to do something else. Bobby, we appreciate the time today. Thanks for this. Uh, always love chatting with you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, appreciate Bobby. It. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. There is Bobby Marks from ESPN, uh, former NBA front office member. Uh, and uh, you can also check out his work, not just with ESPN in general, but he hosts his own show as well, uh, The Front Office. So make sure you check that out. Uh, Bobby Marks, you can follow him on Twitter, at BobbyMarks42. So uh, I wasn't expecting that little nugget drop there, that no. uh, he th- thought that there was a deal there for the Toronto Raptors and Kristaps Porzingis, Jonesy. And how interesting could that have been, potentially, if the Raptors did not give up Ananobi or Trent or Siakam or Van Vliet or Barnes or anybody else? They got their starting five in place, and they get Porzingis added to the mix and it cost them a couple of picks or a pick and Dragic. That would have been very interesting. And it it is, I guess, notable the way Bobby just broke it down too, that ultimately Dallas decides that, like Spencer Dinwiddie is a solid player. And and I don't know, we could have the argument or the conversation here, Jonesy. Would you rather have Goran Dragic or Spencer Dinwiddie? Because uh, with due respects, I, I, I don't know if I'm – listen, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not writing home about Davis Bertans. I know he can shoot the three, but – 
yeah, whatever. I don't think he's going to make or break my team. Um, but ultimately, I guess getting a pick and a couple of players, that probably yeah. is you know, a little more enticing than perhaps what Toronto was or wasn't actually offering. Because, again, that was, to be clear, what Bobby thought might go down or what was being talked a lot about. It could ultimately come down to the Raptors simply saying, nah, we're good. We don't want that money. We don't want that term. We don't want to give up player X because maybe there was somebody in addition to Dragic. So it might not have even got to the point where Toronto was turned down. It might have been Toronto walking away for all we know. Yeah, and look, remember, keep things in perspective. This is a growth year for this team. Yep. So you don't want to start, suddenly start messing with the timetable just because, oh, let's buy that. Well, you don't even need it. Why are you buying it, right? Just just stay on your timetable. So good discipline there by Masai, Bobby, Dan Tolzman in the front office. Hey, look at the Hawks, look at the Knicks, where they were last year and where they are this year. Just stay yep. the course, stay the course. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones, folks, wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. Back with more in a moment. Everything you need to know about all things Raptors. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith. Paul Jones with you. Uh, Jonesy, I'm stuttering a little bit here coming back into the segment because just as we were coming back, uh, I saw our our friend, former colleague, well, still a colleague, Michael Svitkovich, uh, who works for the CEBL, used to work with the Toronto Raptors. He's also president of the Ottawa Blackjacks, talking about a very sad day for the CEBL family. Our love and prayers go out to the Edgem family. And his Honey Badgers teammates, may Kenny's memory be a blessing to all who knew him. And I just quickly Googled uh, Kenny oh, Edgem. Boy. Kenny Edgem, 27 years old, found dead earlier today in his hotel apartment in Jafar, uh, found by one of the property staff members. Investigations are continuing into the circumstances surrounding the tragedy. So uh, Kenny Edgem of the Hamilton Honey Badgers, and, and obviously, you know, people will know the Edgem family, uh, apparently found dead in Jafar and, and gone at age 27. So, I mean, uh, Awful. yeah, it's just it literally as oh, the music was playing man. and coming back into the segment, uh, that I, I saw that, that tweet and i scratching my head here. Um, and, and already, you know, tributes over the last 30 or 40 minutes coming in on social media for... Uh, for oh, Kenny Edgem man. as well. I, I, I didn't know him, Jonesy. I don't know if you've you know, uh, met him at any point over the years. I, I, I had not, but uh, again, certainly the, the Edgem family and, and our condolences to just the, the, the basketball family in general, um, the passing of, of Kenny Edgem. Yeah, that's sad. That's sad. Uh, it's such a young life. Um, a young life, a young athlete. Uh, so much promise ahead. It's uh, man, those are tough to take. E, those are really tough to take. Uh, just as I kind of get at my advanced stage in life and uh, my vintage wears on. I mean, shoot, I got kids almost that old. I mean, it's it's uh, it's really hard. It's really tough. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Again, we'll uh, we'll have more on that story if more information becomes available over the course of the next hour. But I'm sure folks uh, will will see more of it uh, in the in the coming days as well. And um, I, you know, 
I, I'm, I'm struggling to, to find a way to segue or transition, Jonesy, but I think the one thing that, that maybe we could, we could look at for, for Edgem and for so many others, and we've discussed this a ton of times. In fact, we were, I think we were just discussing it last week, is how basketball and the opportunity to play the game um, still at a high level, an elite level, exists um, so much more these days than it ever has. And I mean, all sports, not just basketball, but the opportunity to continue in athletics at a professional level, even if it's not in the NBA or in North America, the, the ability to still play the game you love and make a life out of the game you love, make a living off the game you love uh, by playing in, in other countries and other continents, by, by truly playing the global game. And we're seeing that more and more, not just when basketball, but in all sports, I mean, you were even talking to me last week about professional volleyball, and, and it's something that maybe isn't as entrenched in, in Canada and even arguably in the United States, but go overseas and pro volleyball leagues and whatnot, let alone the beach volleyball circuit and so many other sports. We're, we're clearly seeing it right now uh, laid out in front of us with the Olympic Games, but the opportunities for so many and, and the emergence, I think, as well over the last at least five years, but if not decade plus of uh, women's sports and female sports and the opportunities that now exist for young girls that want to continue in athletics and, and grow up with sports and, and athletics as part of their life, uh, the opportunities that exist for so many of them that didn't exist uh, to, to even a tenth of the degree just a few short years ago. Yeah, you're right, E. And uh, it's, the, uh, it's the great thing about the way the, the world is going and, and that part of the progress. And, uh, you know, I always kind of look back and say, ah, was born in the wrong era but um you know some of the people that uh went through the stuff for me to have what i have and you to have what you have and we are we are we are kind of in in our era of the world be it sports or technology or anything else uh you know forging a path and and making it easier for people i i don't know if you've seen the commercial out there on social media where lebron is talking to lebron now is talking to the lebron from like yes, 2003 when he got drafted, you guys, and he's flipping the, remember, did you ever have one of those flipping the little uh, catalog with your DVDs and CDs yeah, in there? Of course. And, he's, and he's flipping it. He goes, wait a minute, y'all can watch movies on a phone and you got electric cars. Oh man, the future is like, I forget what the word he used, but it's, it's kind of the way it goes. You know, you, 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 you forge the path, you, you know, technology and, and things lead to, everything going forward for everybody else so um and it's great it's great and and yeah i won't I'll, I'll i'll share it with our listeners i have a uh one of all three of my kids varsity athletes and the one in the middle is you know he's talking to agents and you know the one thing i said to him hey man you're young go do it go do it you'll who knows what happens who knows where that takes you on life's course and uh the old adage, you you can't get to second base if you're not going to take your foot off first, right? So yeah. explore. See what happens. See what happens. Hey, life experience, if nothing else, right? Life experience. Yeah. Get a yeah. chance to live in another country, another continent on the other side of the world and, and different cultures and whatnot, too. I think uh, I, I would I, – hey. I, I, I know him, but I'm not his dad, but that's what I'd be giving as the fatherly advice. Go for it, man. Do it. Do it. And, you know, you've, you've brought this up a number of times, too, and I, I don't know if it applies to your situation necessarily. Maybe it does. But, you know, a lot of these leagues that we, we discussed, too, Jones, and again, whether it's basketball, volleyball, hockey, whatever it may be. I remember Gord Stelig years ago telling me about, you know, East Coast Hockey League as well. You look at the numbers sometimes, and I know, heck, this even comes up in the CFL. 
and I don't think this applies. In fact, I'm almost positive, 99% sure this doesn't apply to the Canadian Football League like it does for so many other pro leagues around the world where you might only be making 50 grand, 75 grand, but if your car is paid for and your condos or apartment or home is paid for and most of your meals are paid for, like you're making 50, 75 grand, but you basically have no expenses or very few expenses. Like right now, if you took away most people's car payment and and mortgage or rent, I bet you'd live pretty good on fifty grand. You know? Yeah. Let alone yeah. thirty, forty grand. If you didn't have a mortgage or a car payment, that's your two biggest expenses, right? So Absolutely. I think you could have have a pretty good life as a professional athlete making fifty, seventy five grand if you've got next to no expenses. Nothing wrong with that. Especially if you don't have Nothing kids. Nothing at all. Nothing right. at all. Anyway, I digress. We'll bring it back to the NBA now. Uh, as the Raptors are coming off a beatdown big time last night at the hands of the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, other notable games last night. The Clippers, ravaged by injuries, beat the Golden State Warriors by 15. And the Chicago Bulls, they're rolling again as well. Again, we can talk about some other tilts. But the Bulls... Uh, beating the Spurs, 120-109 the final. DeMar DeRozan with 40 in that game as the Bulls are now just a half game back of the Heat for number one in the East. And the man that spoke to DeMar DeRozan after that 40-point performance last night, he joins us regularly from uh, NBA TV, from TNT. He's uh, doing it all, Jared Greenberg. Jared, thanks for the time, man. Eric Jonesy, what's up, fellas? All good, Jared. All good in the hood. Good, good. So, Jared, uh, let's start with DeMar DeRozan as I just brought him up. You chatted with him after the ball game last night. Um, where well, is he right now in your eyes in the, 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 I don't know, the ranking, the ladder, the MVP chatter for what he's done with Chicago this season and, and rank him up against some of the other candidates in the league? Yeah, I mean... I think this stretch that he's put together, you know, seven straight 30-point games, six straight 35-point games, it's definitely inserted him right back in the mix. Um, I, I, I don't have him as high as Jokic and Embiid. I think I have DeRozan slightly behind Giannis right now. And again, last night was another example of, of how much value Giannis brings to the Bucs. They got blown out at home without Giannis to the new look, deconstructed version of the Portland Trailblazers. So, listen, I don't want to take anything away from, from DeRozan, um, you know, and, and I think people will kind of misconstrue when you're talking about if you have somebody among your top five MVPs, especially this year when there are so many MVP candidates and there would be even more if there were not injuries to guys like Kevin Durant, um, I think it's an honor just to be in that mix. And quite frankly, if DeRozan keeps up what he's doing, we're going to have to rethink this whole uh, paradigm we have right now, or narrative, I should say, of the fact that it's just a two-man race between Jokic and Embiid. Because while I do agree that it is, uh, what DeRozan is doing right now is something special. We have not seen numbers like this since Kobe and Michael, the scoring pair that DeRozan is on. Jared, do you think he'll get that respect? I mean, I mean, it's a regular season award, and we always say this because people right. sometimes get tainted by the fact that, well, you know, he can't do it in the playoffs or whatever. But it's a regular season award, and and yeah. there's value in to me. There's value in going out there 
and doing what he's doing now. As you said, the run of 30-point games on a Tuesday night in February when everybody else is kind of dragging their backsides, he goes out and hangs 40 on you and pulls his team to a win. Like, that's... That that should speak yeah. for something and, and, and override the, well, he doesn't do it in the playoffs rhetoric. Oh, no, there's, there's no question. I'm with you 100% on that. And, you know, hopefully that, that whole garbage narrative is, is behind us. And, again, there'll be a lot of pressure on DeRozan once we get to the postseason to perform. But I, I have little doubt that, that he'll be able to, to do just that. I think he has tweaked his game enough from from his days in Toronto where – he has become, yes, still a scoring machine, but he has become a viable playmaker in this league. Um, but, but again, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, and the other part of this too, there's, a, there's a lot of people, and and I think we forget there, there's a human element to the voter in this as well. Um, there's, there's a lot of people who look at where you are in the standings, and the fact that the East is so close, it's a little ridiculous that people would put so much stock in being in first place. But as, as Eric said at the beginning, you know, they're only a half game out of first. But it's a little funny because they're only a half game, and there's like three games that separate one through five in the Eastern <laughs> Conference right now. So everybody's right there. You know what? You, you, you're like reading my mind right here, Jared, because that's exactly where I wanted to go. It's so tight in the East. I mean, listen, I don't expect Brooklyn to jump all the way back to number one. They're seven back now. I think that eventually they're, they're back in the mix in a locked-in spot. That's just my gut feel, but... Maybe not. Boston doesn't seem to be slowing down. When you look at everything, and I, and I continue to say kudos to the Cavs, but I don't see them as championship contenders. They're having a hell of a season. Jared, how's this going to play out here? Because you could make a case for the Heat. You can make a case for the Bulls, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Celts, like the Nets. Like There are six, seven legit teams that you go, yeah, I could see them win in the East. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and and I'm with you on on the Nets too. You know, the 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 one interesting fact here on the Nets that I just want to point out, I can't hammer this home enough to, to everybody I speak with. Kyrie Irving, the rest of the way from now until the end of the season, is eligible. That's if he's healthy. He's eligible to play in eight more games, eight the rest of the season. Uh, that has got to be a distressing number for the Brooklyn Nets organization right now. Uh, but I'm with you. Like I, I could see. Uh, uh, the Bulls, the Heat, the Bucks, and the Sixers, any one of those three coming in first place in the Eastern Conference right now. Um, and, and you know, I, I, I don't know who to pick. I was stunned by last night. You know, I mentioned it earlier. I, I know Giannis was out, but I, I thought the Bucks would have a better showing at home against a team like, like Portland, who continues to surprise people since they made all those trades. But I don't know, man. Um, you know, and, and they're, they're, they're so different, all of these teams, too. Um, is is 23 or 22 games, however many are left for Philadelphia, is that enough to, to you know, integrate Harden in with, with Embiid? Um, will the Sixers miss the shooting of Seth Curry? Uh, will the Sixers miss the best backup center that Joel Embiid has ever had in Philadelphia and Andre Drummond? Granted, he's only playing 16, 17 minutes a night, but um, you, we, we know how volatile Embiid's health is especially this time of the year over the past six or seven years um you know so i've got a lot of questions about philly i think on on paper it, it should be philadelphia but but i don't feel all that confident in it jared what do you make of the boston celtics i want to i want to jump out west but right now <clears throat> i look at the celtics man they are they are lit they eight in a row um, mm-hmm. maybe some of this, this talk has dissipated about can Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum play together. 
and maybe Ime Yudoka's yeah. figured something out there. Well, the, the craziest part about this run that Boston is on is they still have not figured it out offensively. They, with this group, have figured it out defensively. They're the best defensive team of the NBA since Christmas. And overall, the Celtics have surprised us and jumped up in the defensive rankings to number two overall in the NBA, which is a stunning, stunning stat because, yes, they have Marcus Smart. And, yes, Robert Williams, if you watch him on a nightly basis, you're learning what a defensive presence he can be and, and, and the vertical threat he is. But And, and Jalen Browns are obviously a really good defender. But, like, who on their team is, is going to be a defensive player of the year candidate or an all-defensive team candidate? Right now, I, I don't think they have one. But yet, Ime Udoka has turned this team, which still has issues sharing the basketball and, and getting on a nightly basis like a lot of guys involved, he's turned them into a defensive juggernaut. When a lot of teams in the NBA right now, even the Raptors guys, are, are not the defensive team we thought that they could be, how are the Celtics with this group the second-best defensive team in basketball? And that's what makes them scary right now. Speaking with Jared Greenberg from uh, TNT and NBA TV, uh, let me flip over to the Western Conference uh, for a little bit. I mean, we can flip back and forth, Jonesy, if you want to go east again as well. But, Jared, I'm, I'm looking right now, and, and I'm be clear, I'm not putting them in the same category uh, because I think they do have the potential to do a little more damage. But the one portion where they are in the same category is the surprise factor. Number three in the east, the Cavs. Number three in the west, the Grizzlies. I thought they'd be good. I didn't think they'd be this good. How good can they be? down the stretch, let alone playoff time. Yeah, it's so it's so wild because I think, you know, everybody's with you, E. Like, I, I had no idea that, that Memphis would, would be this good this quickly. Um, and again, you know, them on both sides of the basketball are, are so freaking good. And, you know, the, the John Moran factor, like, he is becoming must-watch television every night he plays. Um, they They really feel like they have everything. And the craziest part is, their best defensive player has been out for a while and continues to be out in Dylan Brooks. And, and how much better did they get when, you know, your, your fellow Canadian gets back into their lineup? And, and that's what's going to be scary for them. The only thing truly missing from both Cleveland and Memphis right now is experience. That's the only thing. So we don't have a book on them. We, we don't have history to tell us why they will or won't succeed and, and I think both of them are capable, certainly, of winning a first-round series. I think what a lot of people in the West are watching is, what if the Lakers sneak up to number six? And granted, that's a long stretch. That's a stretch away. But what if we do get a 3-6 matchup between Memphis and the Lakers? How confident are you that Memphis could beat the Lakers? Right now, I want to say yes, just because of the, the sample size we've seen from these two teams. But I don't know. Like We, we just don't have that, that book on these guys. Jared, <clears throat> I'm, I'm looking at Golden State, and yeah. they've been, as, as well as they've played over the long haul, recently they've been up and down. And they've, they've, yeah. they've lost a couple games that, you know, as Eric would say, give you the stink eye. Like, hmm, did they really lose that one? Um, Clay's come back. Where do you think they are in their, uh, in their adjustment, in their progression to having clay thompson back in the lineup for the first time in you know a few years 
Well, if you would have asked me after Saturday night, I would have said uh, they, they are full throttle back with Clay, that backcourt, you know, and, and eventually, you know, Steph is still in this two-month-long slump that he is in, which is crazy. Uh, eventually, you're thinking Steph's going to snap out of it. I, I think the key to, to Golden State, listen, for, for years we've been talking about it. Um, Steph is their best player. Steph is the guy that's going to be in the most valuable player uh, conversation most seasons. But their most important piece is Draymond Green. And the fact that he's out right now with this, this lower back injury, which triggered a calf injury, um, you know, is troublesome for them. And they just don't have much, if any, depth on their front court. You know, they've gotten an incredible play out of uh, Kavon Looney this season, but they're missing Draymond, they're missing Wiseman. You know, I had a conversation that I spoke about on TNT a couple of weeks ago with Bob Myers, the president of the Warriors, and he assured me that both of these guys would be back uh, for enough time reasonably to sit back in seamlessly with this team and help during a stretch run or a playoff run. Um, the Warriors need Draymond back. And if the Warriors get Draymond back, and this is not a lingering back issue where, where he is clear and he is good to go and he looks like Draymond, I think they're the best team in the Western Conference, even though Phoenix has proven otherwise. I think Golden, Golden State is the team to beat. Without Draymond, I think they're, they're exactly who they are. I think they're the second-best team in the West. Uh, they'll win a series. They'll have trouble in a second-round series, and I don't know if they can go much further than that. i got to say this, Jared. Mm. I, I, I feel like I can finally relate to Draymond Green with one thing in life. Anybody that's like 35-plus, <laughs> lower back pain that goes into your calf? <laughs> yeah, hey, yep. I'm Draymond Green. <laughs> like, yep, um, exactly. No, no questions. Uh, and, and listen, that that and all joking aside, that can be a major, major issue, no doubt about it. If it's an issue for a weekend warrior, somebody just going for a walk, I can't imagine being an NBA player. And, and if we're talking about sciatic issues and all that stuff for for Draymond, so hopefully he can get himself back. Speaking with Jared Greenberg from uh, NBA TV and TNT, Jared, let me look towards the bottom. I don't know if in the end it's going to ultimately matter because it might just be fodder for the play and fodder for a, a playoff spot if they even get there. But I find it interesting what's happening at the bottom of the West. I mean, we could talk about the East, too. But Portland makes the trades. It looks like the fire sale is on, and, and, and obviously uh, Dame is sidelined. They go off and win three in a row. They're the 10th seed right now. The Pelicans with a big win last night. They go acquire C.G. McComb. They're trying to make a run for it. Sacramento's addition of Sabonis, does that put them in a better light or position to maybe go on a run? Like, when the dust settles, do you see one of those three teams being further ahead for maybe – you know, snagging that 10th spot? Yeah, listen, I think the bottom line here before we get into this is is the fact that this is setting up for an incredibly fun stretch run of the season. And we're going to come out of the All-Star break with somewhere between, for most teams, 20 and 25 or 24 games. Like, there's not that much basketball left, and there's a lot of teams playing for something, which I think, again, you know, puts an exclamation point on the NBA got it right with this play-in tournament because not only are these teams who are 11, 12, and 13 still have a chance to make the play-in tournament, but the teams that are 7, 8, 9, and 10 are doing everything in their power to get up to number 6 to avoid the play-in tournament. So there's this trickle-down effect of this play-in tournament that is really intriguing and is going to make for a really fun stretch drive. You know, I, I don't know what to make of, of, of New Orleans. I think that they have, you know, the firepower now. I, 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 dare I say, if they get Zion back, I'm not, I wouldn't bet on that. In fact, I would bet on Zion not playing this year. But, man, 
I mean, that could be a lot of fun. Sacramento, um, you know, I, I was perplexed a little bit by, by what they did at the trade deadline. I think this move is good enough to get them into the, the play-in tournament. Um, from what I've been hearing out of Sacramento, there was such a push from ownership because there is such a, such bad taste in everyone's mouth in Sacramento that they have the longest active uh, playoff drought in the NBA, and they don't want to be a part of that anymore. So just making the play-in tournament would be something for them. Okay, fine. I just don't see how long-term this roster does anything more over the next three to four years than simply just make the play-in tournament. Um, yeah, so that that's fun in the East too. I mean, you know, I, I think we're going to see a push from from a team like Atlanta at some point. You know, even though they they were great and then they struggled. Um, yeah, I, I just I love what 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 is what is going to happen post post All Star because I'm sure that you guys felt it too in past years. You come out of the All Star break and it felt like the dog days. It felt like all right, can, can we just can we get to the playoffs already? Now it's going to be a sprint to the to the finish line to get to the playoffs, and it's going to be a lot of fun for a lot of these teams. And there's going to be the conversation of, you know, teams that are one, two, and three are going to be watching to see who's lining up to potentially face them in the first round. And there's going to be a lot of concerned teams. Like, you know, if you're, if you're, um, if, if you're Philadelphia or Miami or Milwaukee, do you want to face Brooklyn in the first round of the playoffs? Like that, that's going to be wild. Yeah, um, it, it, but as as Dwayne Casey would say, don't mess with the basketball gods. Don't start looking down there and trying to pick your opponent because you might, it it right. it, it might it might jump up and 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 bite you. Um, Jared, what about the Washington Wizards? You talked about teams making a push. Oh. They started off so well. Yeah. They've made this deal with Porzingis <laughs> now. Um, do you see Washington and and look, Washington and New York were part of the. Um, Eric and I are struggling whether we call it playoffs or not. To me, anytime you're playing one game after the regular season to advance, it's playoffs. So they call it the play-in tournament. Uh, we'd like to call it the wild card, but to me, it's the playoffs. And Washington and New York were both part of that last year, and they're on the outside last, right now. Is, I, and I know I'm jumping back to the East. It, what do you see with New York? Was last year the blip, and this is kind of what they are? Or... Mm-hmm. And, and and by by contrast with Washington making their moves, do you think they have a chance to jump above the line? Um, simply no, I, I don't with Washington. I think there's and there's been a lot of reporting. I have not done any any digging or or, or trying to track this down, but there's been a lot of reporting that there's a lot of internal strife in that Washington locker room right now. And listen, I, I love the idea of Porzingis. I think everybody loves the idea of the unicorn. But the issue is that he is rarely seen on the basketball court these days. And right now he comes to Washington and missed last night's game with a knee injury again. Um, Bradley Beal is out for the year. If Bradley Beal was playing, and, and again, he's been a shell of himself this year, I would say maybe they would have a shot, but no. And the Knicks, yeah, I, I think the Knicks are, and, and I, I hate to pour cold water on, on anybody's success because you've got to, you know, take every win you can get in in, in the NBA. Uh, but the Knicks last year, in my mind, were a product of everyone else in the East taking a step back, and they were ripe for 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 the opportunity last year. And good for them for taking advantage of it. But in the playoffs against a team in Atlanta, which yes, they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, but we don't we don't think of that Atlanta team as a team that on a, on a regular basis is going to be an Eastern Conference Finals team. They got ripped apart they got embarrassed by atlanta yes this is who the knicks are right now 
Um, and and so I, I feel like I think we know I think we know our ten teams in the Eastern Conference. It's just a matter of whether you know the Raptors and the Knicks over the Raptors and the Nets whether they get above the line and become in the top six, and a team like Boston slips down or Cleveland you know falls back to comes back to earth. I you know I don't know, uh, but but I think we know who our ten are in the East right now. Jared, we appreciate the time. As always, man, uh, stay well, and we'll look forward to uh, speaking to you again, seeing you one of these days. All the best, man. Are you, are you guys coming? Are you guys coming to sunny Cleveland? No, no, no. We are not. <laughs> we are not. No, you we guys, could drive you guys, there. We could drive you know, there in about four and a half hours, but we will not be there. Right. You know, you guys, you guys can commiserate with all the people in Cleveland. I remember several years ago when we had the All Star Game in Toronto, and every media member was was moaning and groaning about the weather in Toronto and how much people in Toronto hated that. Well, now the same feeling is going on in Cleveland. People in Cleveland are such in an uproar that, that, that people who are traveling and, and the NBA world, the epicenter is going to be in Cleveland this, this, later this week. People are like, oh, my goodness, it's going to be cold. It, it might snow. It's going to rain. What are we going to do? Like, come on, guys, you're outside for like five seconds the whole week. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, 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 and please, let's not ever compare Cleveland to Toronto ever again. Come on, Jared. Jared, Jared, don't do that with Jared. Don't do that with Eric. You're messing with your your spot on the show. You're you're on the you're near the top of the you're near the top of the guest list. You know the the little red My rope, bad. the little velvet velvet rope. Yeah. When Jared Greenberg shows up, Eric's the guy with the earpiece. He says, yeah, "Let, him, let in. him in," but don't yeah. do that. Don't do that, Jared, or else you'll stand in line and, you know, and be in the cold. Jonesy, the biggest thing, the biggest threat that, that Eric has over me is anytime I come to Toronto, he's got my, my barber plug. He hooks yep. me up with the barber to go to to get my beard and my hair taken care of before every Raptors game. He might pull that oh from me if I, if I continue to do this. Yeah. Then, then you'd look you. terrible you. standing in line. Jared, then you'd look terrible <laughs> standing in line. <laughs> right. That's a good point, Jonesy. All right, Jared. Thanks for this, man. Uh, all right, fellas. All right, Thank Jared. you. Appreciate you guys. There's Jared Greenberg from NBA TV and TNT. Uh, always love having him on. And, um, hey, he's got a, got a new show as well that you can check out. It's kind of like a, an homage to, uh, to court surfing back in the day. I, I, I mean, listen, I would, I would shout out court surfing, but there have been so many different hosts to, to court surfing over the years. From Well, now I'm going to do it anyways, but like, like Mark Strong and Cabby and Tim McAuliffe and Sid Sixero and, and uh, Randy Urban and uh, Donovan Bennett and, and uh, Will Strickland. Man, I don't know if I missed anybody. Jonesy, I even hosted that show for one week before the uh, show got pulled because I think there was like a contractual rights thing between MLSE or Rogers or Bell or whatever. Like, But that's been a show that's been around forever. and uh, um, Never uh, been on it. Akil, well, I don't know if it's about being on. It's just about being a hosting it. So you, you're yeah, too yeah. busy because you're always calling the games. So I don't think it's about be, being on it as a guest. It's just throwing to, throwing to different games, uh, kind of hopscotching around the games. Well, they're doing it stateside now, and Jared is hosting it. They're calling it Crunch Time, and he was doing it for three hours uh, last night, bouncing around the league and doing little like live drop-ins and check-ins on various games. So, uh, adding to his resume, I suppose, because he does a whole bunch. Uh, make sure you check out Crunch Time with Jared Greenberg as well.